0: Hello, and welcome back to the Rewatch Rewind, where I talk about the top 40 movies I watched the most in 20 years. My name is Jane, and today I will be discussing number 39 on my list, Disney's 2000 animated comedy The Emperor's New Groove, directed by Mark Dindal, story by Chris Williams and Mark Dindal, and screenplay by David Reynolds, featuring the voice talents of David Spade, John Goodman, Bertha Kitt, and Patrick Warburton. I find this movie highly entertaining even though, or perhaps because, it has one of the strangest premises ever. It tells the story of the selfish and spoiled Emperor Cusco, David Spade, whose spiteful and power-hungry advisor Yzma, Eartha Kitts, assassination attempt goes awry when her bumbling assistant Cronk, Patrick Warburton, accidentally turns Cusco into a llama instead of poisoning him. Kronk is meant to finish the job, but loses track of the llama, who ends up on the cart of peasant Pacha, John Goodman, whose village Cusco intends to destroy in order to make room for a summer palace. Despite this, Pacha sets off to help Cusco turn back into a human, and to prove that there is some selfless good in the Emperor. I know I saw Emperor's New Groove in theaters when it came out, but I don't remember that experience particularly well, other than the scene at the end when they're climbing on the side of the palace making me very nervous. I've always been scared of heights. Then we got it on VHS in one of those big puffy cases, remember those? So I had definitely seen it multiple times before I started keeping track. Then I watched it once in 2003, twice in 2004, once in 2005, twice in 2006, once in 2008, once in 2009, once in 2011, twice in 2013, once in 2017, and once in each year from 2019 through 2021. For those who weren't counting, that's 15 times total. First of all, this needs to be said. Yzma and Kronk are the best villain team in Disney history, perhaps even in movie history. They are hilarious yet unmistakably dangerous. Of course, most of the humor comes from Kronk's ineptitude, but let's not forget Yzma's ridiculously convoluted original plan to turn Kuzco into a flea, a harmless little flea, and then put that flea in a box, and then put that box inside of another box, and then mail that box to herself, and when it arrives, smash it with a hammer! It's brilliant, 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 I tell you! Isma and Kronk don't exactly work well together, but they understand each other, and it's so fun to watch their dynamic. Frank is too kind-hearted to be a very effective villain, but he is devoted to helping Yzma as best he can, until she turns on him and insults his spinach puffs. So if I had to point to one reason why I've watched this movie so many times, it's gotta be the villain team. Eartha Kitt and Patrick Warburton are both fabulous and perfectly cast here, and really the entire voice cast is excellent. David Spade is great at sounding like a whiny spoiled brat, and John Goodman's voice is perfect for Pacha. There's also a fun cameo from John Fiedler, whose voice I immediately recognize as the voice of Piglet and Winnie the Pooh, among many other things. However, I do think, since they went to the trouble of at least sort of setting the film in South America, that it would have been great if they'd cast even one South American voice actor. But if they were determined to have such blatant and frankly inexcusable lack of appropriate representation, at least they got the best possible non-South American voice cast. Partly because of the excellent voice work and partly because of the writing, this movie is just very funny. There are so many silly little touches that work together to make it an entertaining watch, from the random extra lever to Kronk being able to speak squirrel. And then there's all this self-referential humor. Most of the story is narrated by Kuzco, so the fourth wall is kind of shaky from the beginning, and it's completely broken by the time Kronk pulls out a map illustrating the biggest plot hole. And possibly my favorite moment in the whole movie is in the middle of the climax, when it cuts to a palace guard saying, for the last time we did not order a giant trampoline, and the trampoline guy replying with, you know pal, you could have told me that before I set it up, and then it just so happens that there needed to be a trampoline right there at that moment. For some reason that kind of humor really tickles me. I wonder if a lot of these jokes arose out of necessity because the story went through so many changes. Apparently originally it was supposed to be a musical ink and retelling of The Prince and the Pauper with songs by Sting. I truly cannot even begin to picture what that would have been like. The movie we ended up with was sort of cobbled together at the last minute after it was clear the story had to be changed and a co-director quit when Disney wouldn't postpone the release date. This is just speculation on my part, I haven't seen anyone confirming this, but it kind of feels like instead of pretending they had a fully formed story, they just leaned into the parts that didn't make sense and turned them into jokes and somehow made it work way better than it had any right to. Or maybe they just realized it would be funny to intentionally write plot holes into the story. Either way, I love it. Another thing that sets this movie apart for me is that it has no romance. Well, almost. Pacha and his wife, who is voiced by Wendy Malik and whose name is apparently Chicha, although they never say it in the movie, clearly love each other very romantically, and I'm actually glad their relationship is portrayed this way. It's a refreshing departure from the tired trope of married couples who are sick of each other. This is promoting a healthy marriage, and we love to see it. But the main storyline has nothing to do with falling in love. Most of the characters in this movie can easily be interpreted as aeroace, which maybe isn't the best representation because most of the characters are also objectively horrible people, especially at the beginning. Nevertheless, I think this story successfully avoids perpetuating negative aeroace stereotypes. Towards the beginning of the movie, there's a brief scene where Kuzco is supposed to choose a bride from a line of women, and he's not interested in any of them. In any other Disney movie, finding someone for Kuzco to marry would have then become an important part of the story. Think about Aladdin or Cinderella. But in Emperor's New Groove, it is never mentioned again. And Kuzco goes through the entire rest of the movie without anyone even implying that he should be looking for love. So often in movies, when a jerk is against marriage at the beginning, part of their transformation into a better person is finding a spouse, indicating that not wanting to get married was part of what was wrong with them. Emperor's New Groove allows Cusco to become a better, more caring human being without forcing him into a romance. At the end of the movie, Cusco has become friends with Pacha and his family, but he doesn't have a partner, and there's no hint that anyone thinks he needs one, which leads to the conclusion that his aversion to marriage was not part of what needed to change. I'm sure I didn't consciously notice this as a child, but I think it was important for me to see. Most children's films end with the protagonist getting married or about to get married, The fact that this goofy talking llama movie almost feels revolutionary simply for allowing its main character to remain happily single speaks to just how pervasive the assumption that everyone wants and needs a long-term monogamous romantic relationship, an assumption known as amatonormativity, has become in our society. For people like me whose brains are not wired to experience that kind of attraction or to seek that kind of relationship, it's incredibly confusing and alienating to see that portrayed not just as the default, but as the universal human experience. So every story that portrays not ending up in a romantic relationship as something other than a punishment is noteworthy. Even for people who do want that kind of relationship, it's important to emphasize that becoming a good person is not synonymous with gaining a partner, despite what so many other films indicate. Don't be a nice guy just so someone will date you. Be a nice guy because that will make you and everyone around you happier. I would like to point out that while Pacha is ultimately successful in his attempts to bring out the good in Kuzco, the message is not that people should pursue and put up with unhealthy friendships in the hope that toxic people will change. Cusco is a sheltered 18-year-old, and this is really his coming-of-age story, which makes it even more noteworthy that it doesn't include falling in love, since that's usually portrayed as perhaps the most important milestone toward becoming an adult, in G-rated movies at least. Pacha is really more of a mentor than a friend, especially at first, and he does leave Kuzco at one point, and only teams up with him again when Kuzco admits that he was wrong, a sign of maturity that I would argue is more important and universal than the ability to feel romantic attraction. Their friendship at the end feels satisfying and earned, and I think the fact that this aspect of the story is so solid is really what allows the movie to get away with the we-don't-know-how-to-resolve-this-so-we'll-turn-it-into-a-joke parts I mentioned earlier. Zany as they are, the characters and their relationships and journeys feel surprisingly grounded and real, so it doesn't really matter that there's no way Isma and Kronk could have gotten to the secret lab before Kuzco and Pacha. This movie takes a few important things very seriously and laughs at the rest, and I think that's a big part of why I love it so much. Looking back, the viewing of Emperor's New Groove that stands out to me the most is the one from 2008, when I was a senior in high school. My two best friends and I were going to a school dance, and we met at my house to hang out beforehand to eat fondue and watch a movie. I don't remember why, but for some reason we decided on Emperor's New Groove, and soon after we started watching, one of my friends turned to me and asked, completely seriously, if this was based on a true story. Now, granted, we weren't very far into it at that point, but from the very beginning, the movie makes it clear that it's about a person who is turned into a llama. So, of course, we had to make fun of him for asking if it was based on a true story, and, of course, I still remember that every time I watch or think about this movie. The other anecdote Emperor's New Groove always makes me think of is when my family was on a road trip and we got into a discussion about this movie, specifically the scene when Kuzco and Izma almost run into each other at a restaurant. Kronk ends up taking over for the chef and both Kuzco and Yzma are trying to order from him at the same time and they both want potatoes but one wants cheese and the other doesn't and it's confusing everyone until finally both of them say, on second thought, make my potatoes a salad. We spent way too long debating about whether that meant they wanted a green salad instead of potatoes or they wanted potato salad. I had always assumed potato salad, but I think everyone else had always assumed just a regular salad, which is probably definitely the way it makes more sense. Although sometimes green salads have cheese on them and potato salads usually don't, so I think it's perfectly logical to assume that potato salad would resolve the cheese argument, even if make my potatoes a salad is a weird way of asking for potato salad. When my brother and I went through all the Disney animated features in 2020, after watching a movie we each separately put it in one of five tiers, with one being the best and five being the worst. Then we decided what tier it belonged in on the combined list by taking the average of our two tiers. I put Emperor's New Groove in tier 1, and he put it in tier 2, although he asked me to emphasize that he does love this movie dearly, so it ended up tied in tier 1.5 with The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which he put in 1 and I put in 2. Those two movies are incredibly different, but somehow it felt right to have them at the same level since they're both unusual Disney movies that are surprisingly well done. I've only seen Hunchback five times since I started keeping track, so it makes sense that Emperor's New Groove was the one of those I ranked higher. The other Disney animated films that I'll be talking about on this podcast were all put in Tier 1 by both of us, so stay tuned for even better Disney movies in the future. But don't worry, there will also be plenty of non-Disney films on here, so there will probably be something for you if Disney isn't your jam. Thank you for listening to me chat about another of my most rewatched movies, and thank you for your positive responses to this podcast so far. Remember to rate and, if you want, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Emperor's New Groove is very short. It clocks in at a mere 78 minutes, which is why I ranked it the lowest of the six movies I watched 15 times. The next movie I'll be talking about is 18 minutes longer and is neither animated nor produced by Disney, so be sure to subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice if you want to hear something a bit different. As always, I will leave you with a quote from that next movie. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. They just don't.